0: Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive, and here's your host, Bruce Nolan.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive Live, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast live show. I am your host bruce nolan you can find me on twitter and instagram at bruce exclusive welcome back i have been looking forward to this particular topic for a very 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 long time it's something that i initially started to come up with a little bit last year but it happened after the draft so i wanted to talk about it but it wasn't germane to the issue at hand because after the draft you don't want to talk about things that you probably wanted to hear before the draft After the draft, you want to talk about how your team did. You want to talk about what the team looks like now. You want to talk about things like that. You don't want to talk about what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about today is we do have a piece of news to get into, but we are going to talk about draft pick game theory. We're going to talk about all the factors that go into a draft pick that aren't the things we've already talked about. So if you haven't done so already, Obviously, I did a previous podcast that was about needs. It was about the types of needs that go into a pick. And how, quite frankly, it's not always as simple as positional needs. There are positional needs, there are role needs, there are intangible needs. The name of the podcast is Need Doesn't Just Mean Now. That's what it means. Need doesn't always just mean now. That's not the only thing that the word need means. And so I needed to make sure that I did, I needed, pun intended. I needed to make sure that I did that podcast before I did this podcast. Because we all know that there are factors that go into drafting a player. And we have a tendency to just think it's need and talent, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into a draft pick aside from just need and talent. There's all these other considerations that make up game theory. So we're going to talk about a real quick news point, and then we're going to get into that. The news point for today is that 2020 undrafted free agent, offensive tackle out of Washington, Trey Adams, announced today that he is retiring from football. I know there's a lot of people out there who are fairly disappointed by this. Trey Adams was at one point thought to be a very high pick, and then his 2019 season was pretty much a disaster. And so when the Bills picked in 2020 and they ended up getting him as an undrafted free agent, you thought, okay, there's some untapped potential here. Let's have an opportunity to see what this guy can do. Given the fact that Ty Seki is no longer on this roster, the backup tackle position has kind of come full circle. And it went from something that was... Completely fine. You know, we had Ty Insecki, we had Cody Ford, now all of a sudden Insecki's gone, Ford's a guard, and Daryl Williams is entrenched at your starter as a right tackle, but you're thinking, goodness gracious, we went from not really worrying about it at all to all of a sudden, is it Ryan Bates? And so because of that vacuum that was created, Trey Adams' name started to pop up. And one of the things I said this offseason multiple times before this happened is if you get something from Trey Adams, great. But You can't really count on that. He was an undrafted free agent for a reason. I don't ever count on any undrafted free agents. Anything I get from them is a bonus. I felt the same way about Trey Adams that I felt about Christian Wade, which was, if I get something, great. If I don't get something, so be it. I'm not going to expect it. I'm not going to hope for it. I'm just going to acknowledge it if it happens. I'm not going to bank on it for sure. But... Trey Adams and his retirement just further illuminates the idea that a backup tackle wouldn't exactly hurt the situation for the Buffalo Bills. Now, one of the places that the Bills could get a backup tackle is in the draft. And as we get into game theory, I want to make sure I read definition of game theory. Game theory is a theoretical framework for conceiving social situations Amongst competing players. In some respects, game theory is the science of strategy, or at least optimal decision-making of independent and competing actors in a strategic setting. The key pioneers of game theory were mathematician John von Neumann and economist Oscar Morgenstern in the 1940s. Mathematician John Nash is regarded by many as providing the first significant extension of the Von Neumann and Morgan Stern work. John Nash, famously played by Russell Crowe in the movie A Beautiful Mind. That is about game theory at its basis, but it's really about John Nash, his relationship with his wife, things like that. But that's what game theory is. So as we start to sit around and say, okay, let's acknowledge that there are more things at play when you pick a draft pick than just need and talent regardless of how broad the term need is i already established it could be positional need role need intangible need could be any of those three things and the talent of the player but it's even broader than that so i expanded the why did we pick this from positional need to positional need role need intangible need now i'm expanding it even further Why did you pick this player? There's all sorts of other factors that go into the why you picked a player, aside from just need and talent. So here are a few things to take into consideration when a player gets picked by your favorite team. The first thing, roster makeup. The numbers you have on your roster and the likelihood that a player at a specific position has of making the team Factor into draft picks. Brandon Bean admitted it. He admitted when he picked Dane Jackson that he picked a corner specifically because he thought a corner would have a better chance of making the team than some of the other things they were looking at. Don't tell me teams don't do it. Teams do do it. Now, I think that later on in the draft, that matters more than earlier in the draft. Earlier in the draft, there's more of a BPA feel to it, but it's still a factor. And one of the things that I've noticed when I started to do mock drafts is that sometimes the people who are in the peanut gallery get really riled up about fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. Oh, this guy's more talented and he was on the board. First off, it's the sixth round. Calm down. Okay. But also aside from it being the sixth round, there's other factors at play here. Like, is that person going to make the team? I think we have this idea in our head when we draft players in the sixth round of a mock draft that we're drafting starters and we get all worked up, but a very, very, very small percentage of late round picks work out at all. Let's take, for example, fifth round picks, right? Fifth round picks for 2020. Now you know what let's not do 2020. Let's do 2018. So we make sure we give it give it enough, you know, enough air to breathe, right? A couple couple years. Let's do it. So the sixth round of the NFL draft in 2018 had names like Damian Ratley, John Kelly, Christian Sam, Perry Nickerson, Chris Campbell, Sam Jones, Marcel Harris. Ray-Ray McLeod, Cameron Moore, Dylan Cantrell, Jameel Danby, Russell Gage, Tremont Smith, Khalil McKenzie, Luke Falk, Boston Scott. I'm looking through the sixth round in the 2018 draft. There wasn't a single player who ended up being a significant impact player that I can see off this list for their team. There were some that had perfectly reasonable, you know, that's still rosterable. They're playing some special teams. Russell Gage caught some passes for the Atlanta Falcons. But the entire sixth round, not a single team hit a significant home run in the sixth round of the 2018 draft. Not one. So number one, let's not get all worked up. And number two, let's recognize that it's not just about talent. It's also about if this guy makes a roster, that's probably a win. And that's the reason why teams do it. The reason why teams do it, and they care about things like this, is because they recognize how incredibly rare it is to get an impact player in the sixth round. Not everybody's going to be Tom Brady. It's just not going to happen. So when you're drafting in the sixth round, roster makeup is going to end up being important to you. That's part of game theory. Making decisions that will allow you to get a rosterable player in the sixth round and your opponent might not get a rosterable player in the sixth round. Now, the next thing that you can take into consideration on why it is that a draft pick is being made is class depth overall. This is the, we can get a corner later but we can't get an edge later. Teams have openly admitted they do this. Every single thing on this list is not me guessing. Every single thing on this list at one point has been openly admitted from a front office member in the NFL that they do. So I'm not making any of this stuff up. But the idea that we're going to draft one specific player right now, because a player at a different position we think we can get later, Not necessarily just that player, but that position. Hey, you know what? This is a really, really top-heavy tackle class. If I wait on a tackle, I don't know if I'm going to get a good tackle. I think I need to take a tackle now. I can wait on a running back. I can wait on a wide receiver. I can wait on a tight end. Whatever it is, teams absolutely do this. They 100% do this. So, it's not as simple as, are they a good player? Do they fill a need? Can they make the team? What are my options later in the draft? So the first one, roster makeup, that has a tendency to come into play later in the draft. This one, the class depth overall at different positions, this comes into play earlier in the draft. And it's something that's not related to need and not related to talent. It's related to class depth overall at specific positions. The next thing on the list that could impact your team picking a specific player at a specific time is the tears for the position you're picking. This is the Dawson Knox rule. This is the idea that, oh, goodness gracious, there's a run on tight ends. If I don't take Dawson Knox, the drop off after him is real significant. So, I can get, this is not the same as the last one. The last one was, I can get a tackle later. I can't get another tight end later. This is something that might inspire you to trade up and say, hey, there's a run on this. I really want a tackle. There's a run on tackles. If I wait where I'm at, um, I'm not going to get one. And I don't want to reach for need. I'd rather jump up and grab a player I'm comfortable with up there rather than take the next available person here. You saw this with what I think was the Las Vegas Raiders pick in the 2020 NFL draft. A.J. Terrell goes to the Falcons. A couple picks later, the Raiders take an Ohio State cornerback who I don't think deserved to be there and Damon Arnett. I think they wanted A.J. Terrell, and they panicked. They saw A.J. Terrell go, and they ended up saying, you know what? We really want a corner the next guy on the corner board is Damon Arnett. We've seen this happen plenty of times with other teams at other positions. We go whoa, 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 whoa! What are you, uh, what are you doing there? Why are you, uh, why are you taking that player there? Well, we're taking that player there because you know we really feel that we need this position. This is the thing that causes you to reach for need. This is the kind of thing that causes you to go, oh, let's take Damon Arnett. We need a corner. Damon Arnett was not a first-round guy. But I, this is not the same thing that causes you to take Cleveland Farrell number four overall. But it does take it. Man, there's a lot of Raiders things now that I think about it that are kind of weird. It's not the same thing it causes you to take Cleveland Farrell four overall. But it is the thing that causes you to take Damon Arnett at, what, 19, I think? He got taken? That is a factor in these decisions. Now they might not necessarily admit that this one, this way, but they have admitted that he was, you know, we didn't feel good about the talent after this guy. We want to make sure we took this guy because they care about tiering. The next thing that can go into an NFL draft pick that's not related to need or talent is next year's class, specifically with quarterbacks teams do this they've admitted they do this they look at next year's quarterback class and they go i don't really like any of those people right now they could that could change a lot of things changed joe burrow changed zach wilson changed this is how fast things change in a year nobody thought joe burrow was going to be a first round pick much less number one overall going into his final year at lsu zach wilson was not on the radar we knew about him i knew who he was but he wasn't on the radar because he didn't have a breakout season. We had a breakout season. Now he's number two overall, probably to the jets. So teams care about next year's class. They might make decisions this year because of what they think about next year. That's a factor specifically with quarterbacks. Now we're going to get into really obvious ones. How about medical? We don't talk about it. And the reason we don't talk about it is because we don't know anything. So I acknowledge medical stuff. I understand medical things and go, okay, you know what? I recognize he's got some injury concerns, but I don't have any of the doctor's records. So sometimes when I see somebody slip crazy on draft day, my immediate assumption is it's medical. Cause there might be some off the field stuff, but as a general rule, some of the off-the-field stuff has a tendency to become more public faster than the medical stuff does. The off-the-field stuff, you hear, usually hear about that. But the medical stuff, sometimes you don't hear about it. So when I see people like Hakeem Butler, for example, or Maurice Hurst, or Montez Sweat start to fall the way that they felt for me. That, those are examples of players who fell for me far longer than they should have, in my opinion. The second I see them start to fall, I just assume it's, I just 100% assume it's medical. And it's a big factor. The next thing, we're down the last two things here. The next thing that will be a factor that we probably don't want to talk about is the needs of other teams. I know for a fact the Bills care about this. They have other team needs on their board in the war room. We've seen it in some of the the behind-the-scenes footage from Brandon Bean in the draft room because they're trying to strategize around other people who are also strategizing. So when the Panthers jumped up in front of Buffalo and they're like, oh man, they need a tackle. They're going to take Cody Ford. That's what Brandon Bean's like, dang it, they're going to take Cody Ford. They need a tackle. I know they do. And then they ended up taking a tackle and it wasn't Cody Ford. He was like, yes, okay, we get Cody Ford. Of course, I thought Cody Ford was a guard. But other team needs matter because when you get phone calls from other teams who want to move up and move down, you need to know what you think they need to get some sort of idea for what they're doing because what they do impacts who's going to be available for you. What they do impacts who's there for you. This is where the game theory part comes into this. Each individual competing actor is trying to make decisions that are going to be the best for them, but you're not acting in a vacuum. You are acting amongst 31 other front offices and individuals who are trying to benefit themselves. They're not in it for you. Now, it's a small NFL. They're probably not going to blatantly lie to your face. It's a little bit like being in a dynasty league. So maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't know. I'm in a dynasty league with some other Buffalo Bills content creators and some Buffalo Bills media. And when you're in a dynasty league, you can't just exactly approach your trade deadline as if you're you know, slashing and burning because these are 11 other guys. You're going to be in this league with them for years. And if you screw them over, they're not going to want to do business with you anymore. So I'm super transparent when I'm talking to my partners in this league about trades and things like that because I don't want to try and screw somebody over. They'll never do business with me again. And that's bad. It's the same thing in a sense that it's a small league, but each individual actor in this case, team is trying to work for the betterment of themselves. And you have to pay attention to what other teams are doing. The final thing on this list that could impact you picking a player, that's not talent related and it's not me related is your divisional strategy. I know for a fact teams do this. They've talked about it. The first thing I've got to do is win my division. And if you have a team in your division who is particularly good at this one thing or has a particularly strong strategy in this one thing that will influence how you draft and build your team. You will care about it for a long time. It was the Bills looking up at the Patriots. Now they're looking up at the Bills. So it's not just we got to beat the Chiefs. First things first, we got to win the division. Now this means a lot less to us, I think, than it historically has because the Bills won the division and they beat up their divisional opponents pretty badly last year. But things change in a hurry. Even when the Patriots, who were not a great team last year, signed two, two good tight ends in free agency, all of a sudden, the rumblings around the interwebs are, well, what are we going to do against tight ends? The Bills weren't very good against tight ends last year. Do you think the front office doesn't know that? Do you think the front office doesn't know that the Patriots signed two good tight ends? Do you think they don't know that it's probably going to be a 12 personnel heavy, a lot of play action? It's probably designed runs with Cam Newton. They're going to do a lot of stuff over the middle. But like, do you think they don't know that? Of course they know that. Do you think it's not going to influence their drafting decisions? Opponents you play twice a year are naturally going to draft your decisions. They're going to impact your draft decisions differently than opponents you play once every four years. That's just the way it is. Of course it's going to have a bigger impact. This is game theory. We know common opponents. We know who we're going to play two times every single year. And it's going to be New England, not Kansas City. I play Kansas City twice every year if we play them in the regular season every single year, which we're not going to. And then again, in playoffs, that's just not how this works. You strategize around the things that are common and commonly occurring. So in mathematical theory, you have phrases like the mean, the median, and the mode. The mean is the average. You take all the numbers. You add them together, you divide it by the number of numbers, that's your mean. Your median is your center number if all numbers are aligned in chronological order. You know, one, two, three, four, five. Great. What's your median? Three. Because there's two numbers on the left of it, two numbers on the right of it. But your mode is whatever number occurs the most frequently. You plan for your mode as an NFL draft person as a person who's strategizing against your division. Your mode is your division. You know you're playing every single one of them twice. That's what you plan for. So that impacts draft decisions. We know it does. So those are some things that impact draft picks that aren't talent and aren't needs. To recap, roster makeup. How likely is this person to make the team? Where do I need numbers? Class depth overall, I can get this position later, but I can't get this position later. Tiers for the position you're picking in, hey, we might need to trade up for the last tight end in tier two, because we really want a tight end, and if we wait, we're going to be left with the, the leftovers. Next year's class, specifically with quarterbacks, medical, needs of other teams, strategy against your division and off-the-field character concerns. These are the things that impact a team picking a player versus a different player that aren't related to the things that we've already talked about. So, questions, concerns, cries of outrage in the comments, go ahead and phrase them. We are going to take a quick break, then we are going to come back, stick with me, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. Welcome back to the Bruce exclusive. We had a commercial break. It was awesome. And now we're back in it. And we're going to do the same thing we did last week and the week before. We're going to do a mock because we've been enjoying it. So if you are here with me live on Locker Room, go ahead and hit the request to speak button, get in line so you can help me Make these picks, because I'm going to start the draft, and we're going to get going, and it's going to start to run. Andy is first up with me. Andy, I am going to grab you right here. You are on with me right now. How you doing, dude? I am doing well. My man, me, man, Bruce Nolan. Keep us what's going down with sure. it is. Dude, it's, it's, it's a party all the time, nonstop. Are you ready? I am prepared. Okay, so here's what we've got right now. We're at pick number 30. The following players are on the board. This is the Draft Network predictive board. We are not going to do trades. We have Javante Williams, Jason Owe, Landon Dickerson, Elijah Moore, Caleb Farley, Eric Stokes, Kadarius Tony, Samuel Cosme, Terrence Marshall Jr., Nick Bolton. First off. Do you have any positions you want me to look at that didn't hear a name that you liked? That's a good
2: question. I'm not entirely sure. I know I like edge rusher.
1: Okay. Let's take a look and see who we got. We know we have Jason Owe, as I mentioned. So I have Jason Owe, Joe Tryon, Ronnie Perkins, Gregory Russo, Joseph Asai, Carlos Batcham Jr., Janarius Robinson, Peyton Turner, Quincy Roche.
2: So I'm leaning towards OA, but kind of going on okay. this. Let's ask. Uh, let me kind of apply what you've been talking about uh, mm-hmm. in the scenario pod to our theory. Uh, what What in your theory is the drop off between OA and all the other names you mentioned? I or think is there another fairly, player that I didn't pick that that, that there's a huge drop off between.
1: No, I think it's I think it's a good point. I think there is a drop off after OA. Now OA is the same style of player. As I would say, Peyton Turner, Janarius Robinson, in a sense that they're tools, you guys. You're drafting tools. That's what you're doing, right? You're drafting some athleticism. You're trying to turn them into something. So I think Turner, Robinson, Oway fall in that category. Oway just has better tools, right? I mean, Oway has historic tools. So it's the same style, but just cranked up to eleven for Oway. When you look at the rest of the class, and I pull it up now. You know, Farley and Stokes are right there. I do think there's a drop-off after Farley and Stokes. I think if you want a corner, Farley's there, Stokes is there. The next person up on the board for the TDN predictive board is Kelvin Joseph and Asante Samuel. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, if I pick Owe, can I get Janarius Robinson and Peyton Turner or someone I like later? Versus if I pick Farley or Stokes— can I get Asante Samuel Jr. later? Can I get Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden, Ifeatu Melifonu, Tyson Campbell? What do I like? So my encouragement would be this. I'm huge about CB2. You guys know this. I'm big on CB2. The edge rushers are hard to find. If you think always the guy, take him. However, if you're not sold on him and you're just like, well, I'm getting a toolsy guy. Well, I can get a toolsy guy a little bit later. If you're just drafting him because, hey, I need a toolsy guy, I don't think Owey is going to contribute significantly this year anyway. He needs a lot of work. So if you're not going to get someone who can contribute this year anyway, you might as well get him later. So that's my advice. What do you think? What do you want me to do? This is your, your show, man. I'll do whatever you want me to do.
2: That was a whole lot all at once, I'm not going to lie. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? That's what you're here for. You sign up. You get a brucism. You get yelled at a little bit. I go off on some random tangent about... Game theory and strategy, and then you got to make a call. What's it going to be, man?
2: Let's go with organized chaos. I'll stick with away.
1: Okay, we're going to we're taking away. So the second second draft in a row, we took away at thirtieth. I think that the need for edge rusher is is real. I mentioned that in twenty twenty two, the Bills have basically nobody under contract. Basically, nobody is under contract at that point. Andy, I'm going to go ahead and drop you off real quick. I'm getting some background noise. But, on 2022 roster for the Buffalo Bills, you're running into no Jerry Hughes, no Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa. That's what you've got. A.J. Epinesa. You've got Bam Williams if he makes the team this year, which you might not make the team. This is oh, all about Bam Williams, Bam Johnson. So, I think that that's important. It's important to have a conversation about needs this year, needs next year, and always a good, toolsy guy. If you want to stash him, then all of a sudden in 2022, you've got Epinesa, who was a high pick. You've got Owe, who's got a year under his belt. It's not a bad line of thinking. Bryce, you are on with me, my good man. Can you hear me? Bryce, are you with me? Okay, Bryce. I think I lost you, man. You're muted. Okay. Luke, you are up with me. Luke, can you hear me? I can hear you, Bruce. Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you just great. Okay. So Fantastic. Here's where, here's where you're at. We are up at 61. We took Jason away. Now, here's who we got on the board overall, just from an all perspective. We have Davian Nixon, interior defensive line from Iowa. Pat Friermuth, tight end, Penn State. Carlos Basham Jr., Edge, Wake Forest. Jabril Cox, if you're looking for a coverage linebacker from LSU. Brevin Jordan, tight end, Miami. Tommy Tremble, tight end, Notre Dame. Jamar Johnson, safety from Indiana. Milton Williams, interior defensive lineman from Louisiana Tech. Richie Grant, safety, UCF. Tommy Togiai, defensive tackle, Ohio State. Nico Collins, wide receiver, Michigan. What, do you like anybody there, or do you want me to go looking for something?
0: I mean, I like Togii, um, but I also really want CB2.
1: <laughs> You're, okay, so let's see who's on the board as far as CV goes. So if I had to, Malafon was still here.
0: Oh, I no, that's hit. that's it. Not, you don't even have to okay. say anything else. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So
1: t- he's got is link. it just because you wanted CB2? He's got
0: the ability, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really high on him.
1: Now – Tell me, how do you compare, in your opinion, where does Melifonwu fall in regards to Trill Williams? Better, worse, same? I think he's better. I think he he can come in
0: and be uh, a bigger impact player immediately. I think he comes in and does take the CB2 job for sure. Trill, I like a lot. Um, I have mocked him a lot in the third. Um, but I I don't, I don't I just have it's it's in my gut with Milofanu. Yeah. No I, worries. I think uh, I think uh, I think he's he's that guy at that pick if he's there. If we don't take yeah, we, you get first. a CB
1: two at sixty one. No problems with that at all. I'm good with it. Not at all, Luke. Yeah. Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for helping me make the pick. Yes, sir. Catch you later. Cheers. Okay. So we're up at 93, and I don't have anybody on the hold, so I'm going to make this pick. So here's what we've made so far. So far, we've made Jason Owe at 30, and Ifayatu Melafonowitz at corner at 61. We've taken some freak athletes. I mentioned on the Cover One network that I was on, it was, shoo, goodness. it was Wednesday night I was on that. So it was last night. Holy crap, has it really been that long? Last night I was on with Greg and Anthony from Cover One, and we did a mock draft live. And one of the tendencies that you see from Brandon Bean is he does have a tendency to take freaky athletes early. And Jason Oway is a freaky athlete, and if I had to, was a really good athlete too. So this wouldn't be insane for us to see this. I know these are not intended to be predictive, but it wouldn't be insane. While I was sitting here, Bryce got back on the line with me. Bryce, you're muted right now. But if you can get your Hello? audio to work. Hello? Yes, I can hear you. Dude, right. you with we're, me? We're good to go. Yeah. Let's do uh, it. Uh, so, something weird happened last time uh, where uh, I, I got brought up, but then I couldn't hear you. No but worries. But I can hear no you at all. Okay. So here's who we have on the board at 93. First off, if you want a quarterback, there's somebody. <laughs> Davis Mills from Stanford is here. Michael Carter, running back, North Carolina. Kenneth Gainwell, running back, Memphis. Kellen Mond. Quarterback, Texas A&M, Paulson Adebo, cornerback, Stanford, Trey Sermon, running back, Ohio State, Elijah Griffin, cornerback, USC, Benjamin St. Just, cornerback, Minnesota, Marlon But What do we we got at at pass catchers? What do I have at pass catchers? Okay, so let's go to wide receiver. I have Chitarius Atwell, 2-2 Atwell from Louisville. I have Frank Darby, wide receiver, Arizona State. I have Seth Williams from Auburn, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, Daz Newsom from North Carolina, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, Marlon Williams, UCF, Shai Smith, South Carolina, Joshua Bebe from Illinois, Simi Fahoku from Stanford. So not a lot of great value here yeah, for a third-round third sure. pick. Because I don't – last time – I think, remember last last time we did this, we took Anthony Schwartz here, and we really wanted the speed, and we got it. We got, we got some, some speed here. We may have overdrafted for it, but we got it. So what else do you want me to look at, aside from wide receiver? Mm, let, let's, let's go D-line, D interior defensive line. Okay, so interior defensive line. I have Marlon Tui Poloto from USC. I have Jay Tufele from USC. I have Tyler Shelvin from LSU. I have Aline McNeil from North Carolina State. I have Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh, Marvin Wilson from Florida State. Anything like that really tickle your fancy? I mean, I like I like Shelvin. I don't think that's great value in the third round, though. Mm. One of the things that's really tricky about this, and super tricky, and I'm going to go ahead and bring it up right now, is that when you don't have a fourth, does it cause you to reach in the 3rd and I think it's going to be one of the really interesting things that we're going to have to focus on as we watch Brandon Bean work. Now, in this scenario, we're limiting ourselves where there's no trades. So we might be more inclined to reach. He's not bound by those rules because he could trade up into the fourth if you wanted somebody. But there's a natural human FOMO experience. And it's one of the things that we talked about earlier this episode. You know, the fear of missing out. Well, we got to take him now because by the next time I pick, he might not be there. You know, the, yeah, I don't you like know the what? next. I, th- I think we take Shelvin. You're going to take Shelvin. We're going to have some yeah. FOMO here. We're going to take Shelvin. Yeah, g- give, me that, give me that big guy. Okay, dude. Bryce, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Okay, so the comments section was all about Shelvin for sure. They were all about Shelvin. So, Jason Oway at 30, 61 Ifeatu Melifonwu, 93 Tyler Sheldon. Now, we're coming up on the next pick, and the pick is 161. And I've got Jack on the line with me. Sweeps week, Jack, what's going on, dude? Can you hear me? Oh, Jack. I think I lost you, man. I'm here. Oh, oh, you're here. Okay, there you Um, are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pick 161. Are you ready? Yes, sir. I am ready. Here's what we got. On the board for you right now, Rashad Weaver, Edge, Pittsburgh, Chauncey Golston, Edge, Iowa, Joshua Bledsoe, Safety, Missouri, Jonathan Cooper, Edge, Ohio State, Ellerson Smith, Edge, Northern Iowa, Caden Stearns, Safety, Texas. Kari Vincent Jr. From Ooh. LSU. Bryce Thompson. Corner from Tennessee. Jamie and Sherwood. Safety Auburn. Shai Smith. Wide receiver, South Carolina. Derek Forrest. Safety Cincinnati. Yeah. Let, Shaka let Tony. The Edge from Penn to... State. Let me hear some of the wide receivers that are there. Okay. Shai Smith. South Carolina. Joshua Badabebe from Illinois. Simi Fahoku. Stanford. Cornell Powell. Clemson. Demetrik Felton, UCLA, Jalen Darden, North Texan, Sage Surratt, Wake Forest. Okay. um, Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa is here. Any other positions you want me to look at while you're... (laughs) (laughs) This isn't...
0: uh,
1: Yeah, this is a tough one this
2: week. Um, Usually, there's a name that sticks out right away. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me see... I'm I'm guessing there's probably nobody of good value at
1: interior offensive line, correct? Well, let's take a look. Interior offensive line, I got Trey Hill from Georgia, Sidarius Hutcherson from South Carolina, Drew Dahlman from Stanford, Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame, Jack Anderson from Texas Tech, Drake Jackson from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So the only one there I really would probably be cool with is taking Tommy Kramer, but that's probably a little bit of a reach, to be honest. Uh, Kramer's a... Kramer's a late day three guy for me. So if you want to get a body, let's be honest, you are in the fifth round now. Yeah. So it's not like there's 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 not like there's so much of a thing as a crazy. There is no crazy reach in the fifth round. They don't exist. So at this point, if you want somebody, go get him. I just thought of a name,
2: see if he's there. Um, Derek Forrest. Okay.
1: Let's take a look. Type in. Safe, Derek safety. for Safety Cincinnati, he's there. You want him? Yeah, let's take that. Okay, so tell me why you specifically wanted me to look for him.
2: I, I just think he's the type of player that he, he seems very fundamental, but he also seems to play. He I think he could be eventually be the Hyde or Poyer replacement, but I think in the meantime, he could fill kind of that big nickel for us.
1: So I actually think he, he kind of projects pretty well to a Jordan Poyer. So, I, you know, I think he's um, situationally sound, like you said, from a discipline standpoint. I like the pick a lot, and I'll tell you why I like it a lot. Who's the Bills' third safety right now, guys? Yeah, good point. It's Jaquan Johnson, right? Yep. Are we are we comfortable with Jaquan Johnson starting on defense? I'm not. No. When I did this show with Cover 1, I drafted Sean Wade as a safety, and they ripped my head off in the comments section. I'm like, dude! We have no backup safeties. What do you want me to do? Listen, if you want Jaquan Johnson, Mr. I love your tape, but you're too short, you're too slow, and you're not long enough to play in the NFL as a starting safety, if you pull a hammy on one of your starting safeties, then okay, by all means, more power to you. But I previously had a safety net that was Dean Marlowe, and I don't have that anymore. Dean Marlowe is no longer right there for me. So I love the idea that you pick a safety in on day three here. So, And I yeah. love the fact that it's a different name you're not used to hearing. So kudos to you for taking Derek Forrest. Yeah, I
2: think I think he'll be a nice fit. And I think with our next pick coming up, I, I don't think the drop-off is going to be that significant to take a wide receiver now versus later. But I think the drop-off would be significant with that safety.
1: I feel you. Okay, sounds good. Dude, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Catch you later, Jack. See ya. Okay. So I'm up at pick 174. And I'm going to take Shaka Tony here. I understand we already picked an edge. And we, in fact, already picked this Penn State edge. But Shaka Tony is someone who I think can be a designated pass rush specialist early in his career. I actually think there's a very reasonable chance that you could play Shaka Tony more this year than Jason Owe as he learns more of the position. And if you remember correctly, what I said was the bills are going to have a fairly significant problem at numbers on edge next year. And I have no problem. I have zero issue cutting Bam Johnson. Yeah. He was a four phase special teams player and that's great, but I need more juice from that pass rush. And I think FA Obada could be a Quentin Jefferson outside inside sort of a player. So if you want to look at him as traditional edge, you can, but I like Shaka Tony. Now I understand he's light. Okay. I get it. He's the other pass rusher for Penn state. And that happens all the time. He was the other pass rusher to Gros Grossmatos last year. And then he was the other pass rusher to Jason Elway this year, but he was more productive. He's not as toolsy, but he was more productive than either of those guys. So for me, I understand that he's kind of a one-trick pony. But again, we're in the fifth round. You don't get dynamic all-around edge rushers in the fifth round. If you did, they would have been picked at 30 like Jason Owe. So for me, we never talk about Shaka Tony, really. He's a name I don't see pop up basically at all. And we have a a numbers problem at edge. So I picked Shaka Tony, and I'm not going to apologize for it. That's a, that's a Bruce pick. I wanna introduce some new concepts here, and that's where we're at. Now we're at pick number two eighteen. Sorry, two thirteen. We're at two thirteen. I wanna see if I have any interior offensive line that I like here. And my Notre Dame guy is gone. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach for someone in the interior offensive line. I really wanted to add somebody on the interior offensive line, but man nah, I don't think it's gonna happen. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to go ahead and add Jalen Darden. And I know that I I have a tendency to go toward Jalen Darden, you know, but he's the smaller speed guy. And I think that there's an opportunity later in the draft to pick somebody who has tools. And that's what I did. Now I'm up at pick 236 again. And I'm sitting here staring at a board that I don't really like all that much. So as I sit here and stare at this board, I go, okay, Rashad Wild Goose, corner, Wisconsin. We took a corner, if they had to, Malafonwu. Avery Williams, corner from Boise State, maybe. Cameron Bynum from California. I'm looking at corners, you can tell. Goodness gracious. This board just did not fall great for me this time around. I'm going to take Rashad Wild Goose, not just because he has an awesome name. That's not the only reason I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him because I like Wisconsin's scheme. You know, Jim Leonard, former Buffalo Bills safety, who was former Rex Ryan safety. He's the defensive coordinator of Wisconsin. I think he's done a really wonderful job in developing some of those defensive players to come out of there. Um, I was a big Zach Bond guy last year. And I think that really it's a consistency issue with Wild Goose. And, of course, I saw a lot of him because, of course, I'm – we know this. I'm, Big Ten's kind of my country, right? Big Ten country. I'm, a, I'm an Ohio State fan, and I watch a lot of Ohio State. watch a lot of Big Ten. You know, I'm more familiar with their recruiting. I'm more familiar with things like this. And I think that a slot corner matters. If I had to, Malafonwu is somebody who I think can come in and compete for that CB2 spot outside. But Wild Goose can come in and compete and give a little bit of pressure to Taron Johnson while still being somebody who's on the roster next year. Because Taron Johnson's in the last year of his contract, too. And I'm probably not going to be pounding the table to re-sign Taron Johnson unless something amazing happens this year. So for me, that's going to be the final pick. So here's what we ended up with, ladies and gentlemen. We ended up with Jason Owe, Ifeatu Melifanwu, Tyler Shelvin, Derek Forrest, Shaka Tony, Jalen Darden, Rashad Wild Goose Jr., Gentlemen, ladies, we did it. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of my mock. Thank you for chiming in in the comments section. Thank you for showing up live. And until next time, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.